0: The Holy Spirit and His Gifts By Rod Anderson Lesson 7 Tonight, Father, I ask again that you would please help us. Holy Spirit, we're doing our best to try to share just a few things about you, about how you work, and about how to fellowship with you. We're asking you tonight to come alongside us and rise up within us and speak to us and teach us and guide us, uh, guide us afresh as to how to look at some of these gifts of yours, these incredible gifts that you have brought to the body of Christ. So, Father, we ask you to again grant us your spirit of wisdom, please. Please, in Jesus' name, grant us your spirit of wisdom and revelation, revelation, revelation into the knowledge of Christ, Father. Open up the eyes of our understanding and help us to see. I ask this, Father, and I ask you help tonight to help us look at these things, consider them well, in the name of Jesus Christ. amen. 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 All right, this is going to be hour number seven on the Holy Spirit. And his gifts, so we get two more hours. I want you to turn to Lesson 7, which is on page 16. And uh, literally, like I said, I am going to try to go pretty quickly because I want to give again just an overview of these nine gifts of the Spirit. But let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, we'll read the first verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. If you have the outline, it's, I've got it on the King James. I've got all these passages from the King James, and I'll read from the Amplified points as well. But let's ask ourselves if we believe the first verse. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Everybody say, I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> so what does he say? Right from the beginning, he says, I don't want you to be without information or be without the facts about the things or the gifts of the spirit. Actually, in the King James, the word gifts isn't even there. It's spirituals. The word is spirituals. It actually says now concerning spirituals, brother. But in the Amplified Bible, it says this now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. And now we'll just continue to read. Let me read from the King James, which is on the uh, outline, if I may. So this is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 11, all the way through. He said, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Okay? Just let me read a few of them, if I may, from the Amplified, and then I'm going to read something else here to you. He says in verse 3, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit of God can ever say Jesus be cursed. And no one can really say Jesus is my Lord except by and under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, Now there are distinctive varieties, now there are distinctive varieties and distributions of endowments or gifts or extraordinary powers that distinguish certain Christians due to the power of divine grace that's operating in their souls by the Holy Spirit. And they vary, but the Holy Spirit remains the same. Verse 5, and there are distinctive varieties of service and ministration, but it is the same Lord who is served. Verse 6, and there are distinctive varieties of operation, of working to accomplish things, but it is the same God who inspires and energizes them all in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and for profit. So as we look back down here, the one thing that I want you to see above all as we look into this, and this is the thing that people in the body of Christ really, really, really have to see when it comes to spirituals or things of the Spirit is that there's, there's words that are said three times here. There's many different interpretations of it, but from verse 5 onward, or verse 4, and listen to what Paul really said. He said, there's diversities of gifts, he said, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, and there are diversities of operations. But what I want you to see is, just listen, look up at me. Diversity, differences, Diversity. The issue is what, What I mean, this is the heart of what he's trying to communicate. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. To not be ignorant about spiritual gifts, you're going to have to understand that when you look at spiritual gifts, you are going to have to embrace the fact that there's extreme diversity in how they operate, and how they operate through different people, and how they're administered by different people at different churches and so on, Okay? That's because people are different. Why is this so important? It's so important because what we have done in the past historically in church is, again, the Spirit of God would manifest or would, something would happen after a certain way of action or uh, following a certain method that somebody used or how God dealt with them. And again, because that gift of the Spirit manifested through such an action, They began to declare that that was how you got that gift of the Spirit or that's how the gift of the Spirit is going to function is when you do so-and-so. And it's like the other things that we've taught about. You see, it's not a matter of God doing the same thing the same way every time. It's said in the Amplified that these things work according to the power of divine grace that is operating upon the soul of the believer. Now, think about that statement. They happen according to the measure of divine grace that is working upon the soul of the believer. Another way of saying that is, in other words, it's how much you have allowed your mind to be conditioned by the grace of God, uh, having the revelation of the goodness of God, having the awareness of God's love and everything else that goes with it. That's the whole key, again, to the whole gospel is the fact that... God loves me, and God wants to use me. So proportionate to the power of the revelation of God's grace that works upon my soul, you know, I will find myself more able to yield to what the Spirit of God wants to do through me. But again, it's really important. Diversity, diversity, diversity. There's another thing that's interesting about it as well. Bob Yandian, who was one of my teachers, the guy that had 20 years of Greek, the way he used to say it was this. He said, he was persuaded, it says, that now verse 4 says, if you'll notice verse 4, verse 5, or 6, it mentions the Spirit, the Lord, and God. Now there was the is there. And he used to say it like this. He said, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And so when it came to the gifts itself, Bob Yandian would say that the Spirit of God oversees, as it were, the actual gifts, you know, of his own. Then the next verse says, and there are differences of administration, how they're administered. How many of you know that different people administer things different ways, what works for them? He said there are different administrations, but what I want you to see is he said it's the same Lord. In other words, that Jesus himself, as it were, officiates over how things are administered. And then verse 6 says, and there are diversities of operations. In other words, how everything is set up, but it is the same God. Which worketh all along. He said, really, when you look at all these things, you've got the whole Godhead involved here that's overseeing everything and anything to do with the works of His Spirit. So let me just read down on the page there so you see what it said diversities of gifts, differences of administrations, diversities of operations, gifts, administrations, operations, diversity. Now, this next paragraph might be confusing because of the the, the way I wrote it years ago because of some other things that I used to teach involved with but I'll read it anyhow says there are two theories on this particular scripture one line of thought says that these gifts are administered to different ones in different ways that diversities of operations mean they operate in different ways and not always the same way in different individuals now Again, when you read this, understand that I'm not saying that don't do it that way. I'm saying probably it's all of these ways, realistically, because you cannot put God in a box. Now, again, what this begins to do, if if you'll receive it, see, this liberates you. This is why we say in every area of the gospel that you have to find out how God uses you. Remember, I say this over and over again, what the Bible does not teach is methodology. Everybody hear me say that. The Bible does not teach methodology. The Bible teaches the man Jesus Christ. But what happens is often when we see people pray for people in a certain way, and God, by his love and his grace, comes and does something, we often try to imitate how the man functioned. You hear what I'm trying to say? In other words, the method. We'll we'll begin, if we're not careful, to ever so subtly develop faith in the method that we observed. When the method has nothing to do with it, it's the character the heart and it's the ability of the individual to yield to the Spirit of God. And that's one of the biggest words in the Bible is the word yield, where you just learn to understand that this is what it's all about to you. But let me go on with that, that uh, paragraph. It says, on the other hand, there are those who believe that there are diversities of gifts, so that there are different gifts. Therefore, there are differences of administrations and there are diversities of operations. They say that Paul is talking here about three different things, not just gifts. He's talking about gifts, administrations, and operations. But again, I don't want that to confuse you. There's probably, like I said, truth in both of these views. But the most important thing that we need to look at as far as what will be helpful to you is to just recognize again the issue is diversity. There's going to be diversity. That's really good because that means, you know, how he uses me, he doesn't necessarily use you that way. That's why I can't look down my nose at you if God uses you in a way different than he uses me. Again, everything that happened, whether it be with the Toronto thing, blessing or all, all these different issues, all the different things that have happened over the last 40, 50 years, people began to judge not the fruit that was long lasting, but the methods. And because they got so concerned about the methods, many have missed the fruit. Uh, what God had available to his people that was going all over the place. I mean, you cannot deny some of the major fruit that happened through that thing. I mean, some of it was really strange for me to digest because I'm so finite, analytical as a teacher. Like I said, Dutch Sheets that, you know, comes, I mean, Dutch and I are friends and I asked Dutch about it, I said, Dutch, is there something wrong with me or what? Because I said, I don't know what it is, but I said, I go to some of these meetings and I said, everybody's talking about how they feel this and they feel that and people are screaming and leaping and falling and howling and what have you. And I said, I'm just sitting here going, I don't feel zip. (laughs) And he said, I said, is it just that I am, am I just that hard and calloused or what? He goes, no, he said, you're probably just a lot like me. He said, I taught, he said, at Toronto. He said, John Arnott had me teach there. And he said, the whole time I'm teaching, he said, People are falling on the ground out in the congregation. People are laughing. People are crying. Some of them are clucking like chickens. And he said, and they got cameras. And he said, holding them with God, people's mouths wide open, and putting, holding the cameras, you know, over their mouth. And you can actually, you see it's legitimate. Actually, we seeing people's teeth, you know, gold come and fill in their teeth and stuff. And he said, well, I sit there, I watch it myself. But he said, the whole thing's going on. I'm just trying to teach. And he said, I don't feel anything. And all the stuff's going on. People are being healed. And he, he says, I think it has to do with something with the teaching gift. We're just so analytical at whatever. So pray for me, all right? But the point is, you learn to not just say no to things just because they don't function like you think they should function. I think that's part and parcel of why God, again, is so uh, so um, disgusted with our pride because he wants us to understand, I'm going to use you according to the measure of your faith, according to the measure of God's grace that I allow to operate upon my soul. So again, we need to just have faith for the gifts of the Spirit to operate and not worry how they operate. Did you hear what I just said? That's the foremost importance. Now, the next thing before I read, I'm going to read something from Bill Johnson's book here. But it says, the manifestation is given to every man to profit with all. Paul tells us that what the gifts do, Paul tells us that what the gifts do are intended to profit the whole church, not just an individual and I've spoken to this before, but I really want you to see this because what we're going to go do is try to define just from the Bible a little bit better. Like I said, I've got to really move to them quickly, but the whole all nine gifts of the spirit just give you a few examples of how they're how they show up in the Bible and what have you so that you can better define them. But the thing about working and flowing with the spirit of God is it, to me what's helped me the most is again is when I did a word study years ago and and, and saw the word manifestation. The word in the Greek for the word manifestation is phaneros, it's spelled P-H-A-N-E-R-O-S. It's not like you're being tested on it. But phaneros, it speaks to the basic, basic thing that the Holy Spirit does. The word P-H-A-N-E is the word for light or illumination. So it says, but the manifestation, now I really want you to listen to this. The manifestation of the Spirit Now, often, if you'll think about the Spirit of God manifested, what you'll think normally is well, that healing that just took place was a manifestation of the Spirit of God. And yes, it was. But the word manifestation means illumination or something that's been revealed. A light has shined upon something and you've seen. So, really, gifts of the Spirit begin to function when God illumines somebody. So that they know how to respond to either if you're a minister, you respond to what the Spirit of God's showing you so that you know what to pray for, what to ask, what to speak to in a congregation. Or you, you're doing your own study, you're at home or whatever, you're sitting in the in the congregation yourself, and suddenly the Spirit of God illumines something to you, the lights come on. And you suddenly have faith that you didn't have before. It's like, boom, something happens and you just, something is triggered and you're able to, to basically yield to something that you didn't find yourself yielded to before in the natural. But another word that really helped me about the whole thing about manifestation is, I, I, and again you will have remembered me speaking to this at some point in the past, is the fact that in many of the places it'll say this in lexicon that the word phaneros speaks, when it speaks to light, it speaks to something that flashes. And therefore, it says they speak to the issue of spontaneity. And that really helped me a lot because I I, I I could see that something that when the Spirit of God does something, it's like a flash of light. It's like, pop, like that. In other words, and remember, He is a spirit. And the Bible says those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth. So when the Spirit of God manifests or illumines, it's just like, Pam, a light comes. And just as quickly as that light comes, we should learn, what we're supposed to do is learn how to respond, react, whichever word you want to use in this case, to that light. What did he just show you? And believe that that's indeed God as opposed to your head. Now again, remember the illustrations we give often when, say, a man of God or woman of God in a church service, a word comes forth, say, whether it be like a, somebody's calling out a healing with words of knowledge and things. We'll get to that in a little bit. Often, you know, God, will, something will come out and you will, the, and as soon as you hear something, like if it's something that you've been struggling with, you know, instantly you'll go, boom, and a light will come and, and the hope will rise up and actually it's faith and you say, that's for me. But how many of you know it doesn't take but like a half a millisecond past that and you've moved from that light and what you saw exposed for a second and brought you hope to the questions and start, well, it's probably not, it's probably for somebody else. And after all, if it was for me, it probably should have been a little more specific. And what I mean is we get into our head and we start to talk ourselves out of what God wants us to do. The other old illustration, and everybody laughs about us, we used to talk about, you know, when you receive an offering, you know, we always say the first voice you hear is normally God, (laughs) but the second voice you hear is normally you trying to talk yourself out of what God told you to do. And often that's the case. Even in school, can you remember when you were at school, at least in America, when we had what was called multiple choice questions, you know, when they have a question, you have four or five questions, remember? And teachers used to tell us that when you take the test, they'd say, understand something, normally the first answer that pops into your mind is correct. Statistically, that's proven as so. Normally, the first answer that rises up in your spirit is the correct answer. Spontaneity, boom. A flash of light. The manifestation. It's a manifestation. It's a sudden illumination. It's a sudden revelation. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the revelator. He reveals something. But then again, he waits for us to react or respond to what's been revealed. So this is why it's all a matter of faith. And guys that have operated in the gifts of the Spirit for years have learned, you know, just to go with that that comes and not, not question. I remember a friend of mine who was in the gifts of the Spirit a lot, and he said, I, you feel so stupid one time. He said, I got up and he said, the Lord said, all I heard was poison finger. And I thought to myself, that can't be God. <laughs> Who's ever heard of calling out a poison finger? You know, before and he just said, Lord told me there's somebody here with a poison finger. And this guy goes, raises his hand and he'd had something cut in his hand and he had all kinds of whatever it was all wrapped up. Basically had, you know, something had got infected and it was poisoned. His finger was poisoned. But I mean, just the way it came out, in other words, we'll struggle with things sometimes because they come so quick, they come like a bit of lightning, that again what we're apt to do, what we tend to do is we tend to talk ourselves out of the first voice, the first the first inclination that comes. And we we move into then the realm of the thought process. And the moment you get into the thought process, you often, if your mind's not really renewed to the Word of God, you will think yourself out of that, that which was shown you by a sudden burst of light. And that really is, spontaneity is a huge thing. That's why uh, in, you'll see in one of these old meetings when you study the old healing ministries, they'll say that people that respond the quickest always got the greater miracles. It's something about learning to respond quickly. But, you know, again, if you're like me, you used to sit out there and you go, well, I don't know, you look around, maybe, surely it's for somebody else, you know. <laughs> but people see that it, a, a quick response is just an indicator of a hunger for God. And God can work with that. Anyhow, so we're going to look at these things. But first, I want to read. Like I said, I want to read talk about the gifts of the Spirit as I've shared with you before. This is Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson, pastors Bethel Church in Redding, California, and uh, his first book I told you about that was called When Heaven Invades Earth, and this is the second book he's written called The Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind: Access to a Life of Miracles. As I've shared before, his his books thus far in the last year have ch- has really affected me as much as any books I've ever read because of how well I have a close friend that is a close friend of his who's been telling me about him for a long time. But they've been telling me how in this church that miracles not just through the pastor, not at Sunday services, but miracles happen literally every I mean miracles happen every week all around the church, people walking in the church, all their people, they have what's called a school of the supernatural. And they have built faith into the people, and they have built some kind of a way where they know how to, well, it's the kingdom of God. This man's given over to the kingdom of God. And I, I mean, churches, it ought to be. So I just, I'm going to take some time now just to, to read some of this, because I want you to be inspired. This is just the first page of chapter 1, then I'm going to jump around a little bit. Change your mind is the name of the chapter. He, this is the byline end of that. It says, it is unnatural for a Christian to not have an appetite for the impossible. It had been an awesome Sunday night in the presence of God. When it was all finished, the prayer and the praise, the teaching and the time of asking God for miracles, one of my staff members walked from the sanctuary into the hallway and saw a man jumping up and down saying, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. His pants seemed too big for him. He was holding them up so they wouldn't fall down around his ankles. He was puzzled but knew God must have done something. When we asked around, we learned that the man had been healed that night after receiving prayer. He had huge tumors all around his body. But he'd prayed they'd all gone, he'd come in, all the tumors he'd come in with it instantly disappeared. He'd come all the way from a neighboring state because doctors had given him only two weeks to live. In his mind, we were his last stop on the way to heaven or on the way to a miracle. He came into the sanctuary where he continued to jump up and down with great joy, very much healed and very much in need of a new wardrobe. How did it happen? The kingdom of God had come crashing into his infirmity and overwhelmed it. It was another great night and another great victory over the enemy. That same weekend, a woman drove to our church from two states away because she was having difficulty breathing. The doctors had found what they believed was lung cancer. Her family had to help her into the building. After receiving prayer, she left pain-free, able to breathe without any restriction. Again, kingdom reality vanquished, vanquished earthly affliction. Is that normal? Absolutely. But is it common in today's church? Not yet. But God is changing the way Christians think about the so-called impossible. He is teaching us to work hand in hand with the kingdom, so the reality of heaven comes crashing into earthly problems and overwhelms them. The results are astonishing miracles, great victories over the enemy, healing, deliverance, revelation, and more. It's not hype. It's not baseless hope or theory. It's fact. The two stories I shared above are actual situations in which affliction was completely vanquished by kingdom reality, and there are many more I will share throughout this book. Many churches see the miraculous happen on a weekly, even a daily basis. As you can imagine, it's it's a revolutionary approach to Christian living, a return to the authentic. Now I'm just going to jump around here a little bit. A young man named Brandon, who is a graduate of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, was visiting friends in Washington State. They were at a restaurant and the waitress came to take their order. Brandon began to perceive things in his heart about the woman and he shared them with her. They pertained to her relationship with their mother. The waitress was amazed and she became so emotional that she had to take a break. While the waitress was away, Brandon noticed an Asian couple staring at him from across the room. The woman had wrist braces on because she suffered from carpal tunnel syndrome and one of her hands was completely frozen in a fist. Brandon simply walked over and asked if he could pray for her. She said that she was a Bo- that they were Buddhists, but they were willing to receive prayer. He prayed for her, she was healed on the spot in the restaurant. The whole family was instantly overjoyed, began praising Jesus right at their table. They said they'd been praying to their ancestors for a long time for their hands to be healed, but the prayers hadn't worked. Brandon explained who Jesus is. They received the gospel with wonder and thankfulness. He went back to his table for the rest of the evening. The healed woman sat there opening and closing her hand in amazement. About that time, the waitress came back and asked if she could talk with Brandon outside. She was understandably confused and yet eager and wanted to know more about God. Brandon shared further insight that the Holy Spirit gave him about her life and told her about Jesus' love. She gave her heart to the Lord and was filled with the Holy Spirit right there. She was breathless with excitement and declared she was going to tell all her friends what had happened. That sounds like something out of the Bible, but it's another very recent display of God's love from a normal Christian like you and me. It happens regularly to a whole company of believers. He simply made himself available to carry out God's will in the here and now. He didn't just share doctrine, he offered a proof of who God is. One of the major functions of miracles in supernatural living is to offer immediate, irrefutable proof of what God wants to happen on earth. It demonstrates who God is by showing what his reality looks like. The apostle Paul put it this way, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good, the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Has it ever occurred to you that one of your jobs on earth is like Brandon to prove the will of God to others, to show other people what he's like, to allow him to overwhelm the enemy's works through you? Most people don't know how God behaves or what's inside his heart for each one of us. Your calling and my calling as believers may be too massive to fully understand, but the Bible's command is clear. Our job is to demonstrate that the reality that exists in heaven can be manifested right here, right now. We are not just to be people who believe the right things about God, but people who put the will of God on display, expressing it and causing others to realize, oh, God, oh, so that's what God's like. Healing and deliverance and restoration do more than solve the immediate problem. They give people a concrete demonstration of who God is. Another young man from our church was summoned for jury duty. I doubt that they'll ever ask him again. While he was serving, a gang member got saved. Three people were healed, one of them in front of a mocking crowd. This young man had so boasted in the Lord that many of the other jurors were publicly making fun of him. So he turned to an afflicted person, prayed, and the person was healed instantly. The crowd went silent. Another man in a wheelchair stood after being prayed for before the people in the courthouse, moving his hands and displaying the healing power and the love of the Lord as he was healed and was able to walk. This is in a courtroom some of our staff along with students from our ministry school have gone a number of times to a nearby university that's a major center of new age spiritualism the most popular religion on campus is listed as witchcraft my senior associate a wonderfully anointed prophet of god was invited to speak in a class on christianity and the supernatural he stood before the students and shared a brief testimony at the end of the class a young lady who was tormented by demons began to manifest under their influence Chris commanded them to leave and she was delivered in front of many wide-eyed students. She was then filled with so much joy that they had to carry her out of the classroom into the parking lot so that the next class could begin. The students from both classes looked on at what was happening, stunned and dumbfounded. My associate began to call people out, pointing at them and speaking strong prophetic words into their lives that touched the secret thing of their hearts. Some dropped to the floor instantly as if they'd lost their strength. Others sat there with their mouths gaping. I saw you being dedicated to God, he told one young man who was the only unbeliever in a large family. And on it went until those witches and warlocks who had devoted their lives to the powers of hell knew there was a mighty God in Israel and in the church. During worship one morning at a church, a woman who had esophageal cancer felt the fire of God come upon her. She turned to her husband and said, God healed me. They went to the doctor and the doctor said, this kind of cancer does not go away. But he examined her anyway and told her in complete astonishment, not only is it gone, but you have a brand new esophagus. During another service, we were reading the Bible and a man in the congregation suddenly couldn't see the words clearly, everything went blurry. He didn't figure out why until he got home and took off his glasses and could see fine without them. God had healed his vision without anyone even praying for him. The same thing happened to a pastor at a conference who was enjoying the presence of God. When he opened his eyes, he didn't need his glasses anymore. These are great examples of carrying out our original calling as human beings. Remember that God's first commission to mankind was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But this goes on and on. But I mean, it's just miracle after miracle that happens every day, unlike just about every day in this man's church. And there's a bunch of other churches that are moving towards that as well. I wanted to read that to you because I want you to be inspired. It's like it's inspired me. Church. Remember, I've said this in so many of the courses. We have accepted abnormality as normality until we have empowered it to such a degree that it is the norm. But it's never been God's will. There is a way, if people, would, if, if pastors will do, if pastors will, I'm trying, be careful. There is a way to build faith into people for the kingdom of God to come into the here and now. And it's simply by having enough Desire for God, building enough love for God into the people so that they want Him. Remember, if you love somebody, you want to be near them. You really do. Remember the first thing we ever taught. When you love somebody, you want to be near them. If we really loved God, we'd want to be near Him. That means we're going to find ways to to make time to pray, to make time to worship Him because we love Him. Otherwise, maybe we don't love Him as much as we say we do. But where people do love Him and do seek Him, God will be found by them because he's not a man that he should lie. But he's looking for some people that are bold enough to dare to believe that he wants to express himself through signs and wonders and miracles today. And he does it through the power of the Spirit. And again, as we start to go through these now, I just want you to remember in the midst of all this that we have not because we ask not. I'm going to jump ahead and say this. You know, a little bit later in, 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 I think, 1 Corinthians 14, it's going to say, earnestly covet these gifts. And the Lord stopped me about two years ago and he said something to me. I was doing, I don't forget what I was doing, but I mean, I heard it so loud. He said, when I said to earnestly covet, he said, I meant what I said, earnestly covet. And he said, you need to ask yourself a question. <laughs> are you earnestly coveting? In other words, how serious are you desiring these things? Because he said you have to earnestly desire them. In other words, you have to set your focus and say, I want this. I'm not ashamed to say I want the power of God in my life. I don't want it for me to have a newsletter. I want to see the kingdom of God come into these churches. I want to see the kingdom of God manifested in this nation. I want to see the kingdom of God manifested in my own life. I want to be delivered from anything and everything that causes me to get bogged down in what's happening in this earth. And I want to be tied strongly, as strongly as I can get tied to the heaven's reality as I walk through this world. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say amen and Amen. That's what we're after. Okay, now we're going to, like I said, shift and just begin. Like I said, I've got to cover so much ground. We're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit, like I said, and just give an overview. So at the bottom of page 16, the categories for the gifts, we have what's called the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the utterance gifts. And the reason is, as you'll see in just a moment, the revelation gifts that are listed, again, let me read them from the King James on the outline. It says, from verse 8, it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. And actually the word healing there is plural. It's the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So there are three of these gifts that are revelation gifts because they do just that. They reveal something. One is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the other is discerning of spirits. The power gifts are listed on the next page Is the gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. Utterance gifts, of course, are just that because they're spoken, they're manifested through speaking or prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. So the simplest way to describe these nine gifts is that three of them say something, three of them do something, and three of them reveal something. Now, it is good to have a knowledge of this, like I said, because this will help you later, because you'll know what you're operating in. Now, the word of knowledge is the first one we'll look at here. But notice it's not the gift of knowledge. I've heard so many people in other churches say, well, it's just the gift of knowledge. The guy has a lot of knowledge, or the gift of wisdom is just, he has a, even like in some of the Bibles, the. The paraphrases will say to another is given the uh, a, a display of great wisdom or a display of great knowledge. Now, there's no such thing as the gift of knowledge. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. Point one underneath that, God knows all but doesn't reveal all. Now, one of the ways that this helps you is that you'll see, it says, to one is given the word of knowledge. A word is a fragmentary part of a sentence. So what it speaks to is that when God gives somebody a word of knowledge, it's a word. It's an insight into what He knows. It's not the whole package. It's not the whole story. You get a word. He'll give somebody a word, a Rhema. He'll give somebody just a something. There's a leading to something. That's why, I, you know, you'll hear people say that operate in the word of knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm sensing this or I'm hearing this or what have you. But it's a fragmentary part of a sentence. It's not, you don't get necessarily a whole paragraph. I mean, there are some people that operate very deeply in the gift of prophet that, you know, can get all kinds of stuff. But we're talking about this, just the word of knowledge. God will impart to you what he wants you to know. Now look at the paragraph underneath that. The word of knowledge, now this is something that's really important. The word of knowledge is a supernatural manifestation. So we're not talking about natural knowledge. None of these are natural gifts. Because if one of them was natural, then they'd all have to be natural. Do you hear that? But if therefore, if one of them is supernatural, then all of them have to be supernatural. So we're not talking about natural healing, but a supernatural healing when it's a gift of the spirit. We're not talking about natural knowledge, but a supernatural knowledge. In other words, something beyond. It's not just that you're sharp. (laughs) It's not just that you're very educated and you can figure things out. We're talking about, remember, a manifestation, a flashing forth of light that suddenly you look at somebody and God shows you something about them. Now, examples, the the gift manifested through vision, number one on point D down there. It says, much of the book of Revelation is a word of knowledge given to John on the Isle of Patmos, Acts 9, verses 10 through 12, says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. In other words, he's hearing right now. What exactly is happening, he said, there's a man over there who is praying right this moment. He's being shown right this moment somebody's praying. He says, and he hath seen, past tense, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Now, underneath that, it's important because it didn't come to an apostle. Ananias was a layman, and this is good news for us. That means anybody can can expect God to give him words of knowledge. Uh, again, just next to that, Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 20. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. This is God's first. This is, this is a scripture that proves that God's in the multimedia. He let down a screen showed them on a screen. <laughs> just in case you don't think God's in the multimedia. This this was way back then, and I mean he had an awesome projector, awesome mountain <laughs> like that, and he just started showing them these, these animals. He said, Wherein all wherein verse 12 where, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And he called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Three men seek thee. While Peter's thinking about this, suddenly God reveals to him, There's three men looking for you. Arise, therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, again, I'm going quickly, but all of these things that we just casually read over are manifestations of God's Spirit. Now. Uh, I'm gonna get ahead of myself right here, but knowledge, different the major difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, the word for gnosis, the word, word Sophia, the issue is that knowledge, think about this for a moment, knowledge. Knowledge, one, uh, an English definition of knowledge is the accumulation of facts, information. But knowledge, knowledge always gives reference to something that's known in the present are known in the past when you have knowledge. You have knowledge of something, of a fact, that's either right now or knowledge of something that's in the past. So word of knowledge always deals with something in the present or in the past. That's not that we have to get shook up about definitions, but it is something that you begin to notice when you study. Wisdom is to think about it. So, you don't have knowledge of the future because you don't have, you don't know about the future. But that's what a word of wisdom is, a word of wisdom. Wisdom means God shows us a word, again, a fragment of something that's in the future. Word of wisdoms always have to do with something in the future. That's a major difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Now, back to the outline. I've got a few more minutes here, and I've already got one page. While Peter was in a trance, he saw vision while thinking about it, the Holy Ghost spoke, and like I said, we really need to learn to listen for the Holy Spirit. We need to work, I'm just as on my own notes, but we really need, really need to work at learning how to quiet our soul and quiet our flesh. Because again, it's an inward witness. It's a, something that comes from the inside that if we're so busy, if this brain of ours is so busy, if we're obsessed with just thoughts that just run wild constantly, if our flesh is yelling at us so loud because, you know, we, you know like the Bible says, don't be overchar- overcharged with surfeiting. In other words, if you live too richly, you're constantly eating too much, you're constantly working too hard, and your body's physically stressed out, all those things, you, you're, you're not going to be able to listen to your spirit as much. And so it's, a, it's something where you do, have to, you do have to ask yourself what you're willing to give up so that you can move up because it's worth it once you begin to hear. Point the gift manifested through an inward revelation, the woman at the well. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. The word of knowledge can be manifested in a number of different ways. It may come through tongues and interpretation, through the gift of prophecy, or even an angel can come to deliver a word of knowledge. Often these gifts operate together, as I put down here, we simply separate them in order to define them. In other words, there's a blend. There's what's called gift mixes or gift blends uh, that are common. This is why we don't want you to get religiously rigid about it. We want you to just have an awareness above all things of what we started out with. Diversity, diversity, diversity. Words of knowledge, therefore, are gonna work different through you than they work through me. You need to become comfortable with that. Don't limit yourself by saying or by having anyone else tell you if it's a word of knowledge, it's gonna look just like this. Because again, it's dependent upon the power of the grace of God that's operating upon your souls. How much you've yielded yourself to God and how you find yourself being comfortable. Again, when we get to the gifts of healings and all these other things, I could start, if we had time, I could take you through books and show you so many different people that function in so many different ways, but they all got the same results. The healings came, but they were massively different in the, in the methods and how God led them. But the issue wasn't how God led them. The issue was, did God speak? And if God spoke, the healings and the things manifested, okay? I got five minutes, but let's go to the next page anyhow. Lesson eight. Uh, On top of page 19, through the word of knowledge, the discouraged can be comforted, the saints gladdened, lost property recovered, the enemy defeated, the Lord Jesus glorified. I mean, this is just several. Again, take your time to read these for yourself. Uh, Word of knowledge used to enlighten a discouraged servant. 1 Kings 19, 2 through 4, it says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life, is the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time." And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. It's always amazing because remember, it was just like 48 hours before when he called all the prophets of Baal and had a challenge them and wiped them all out, killed every one of himself, called fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice, and the next two, two days later, he's running from a woman. Of course, sometimes it's safety to run from a woman. Moving right along real quickly. You don't need a word of knowledge for that. You just need experience. (laughs) Oh, well. Let me hurry. I'm in trouble. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he said... I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine honors. In other words, he's having a pity party, and they've slain your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I've skipped the next three verses, but God begins to speak to him, and of course he tells him in verse 18, He said, Elijah, he said, I have I have left me yet seven thousand people. He said, There's seven thousand other people in Israel that have not bowed their knee unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So Again, this word of knowledge is the word God's knowledge came through God himself to one of his people to encourage him. Now, again, why do we even want to throw that in here? Because don't always be looking for a word of knowledge to be something that causes a healing or births a miracle. You see, I, I, this is important to me. I want you to know, I love, I, I can't tell you where the verse is right now, but in the book of Job, there's a verse that says that there is nothing that is trivial to our God that concerns us. I love that. In other words, I don't care how trivial we might think something is. To God, if it's important to you, it's important to him. Hallelujah. I mean, that's how big he is. So he'll, a word of knowledge, God's spirit will manifest just to give you a word of encouragement. I mean, that's beautiful. That's beautiful when you really think about it. Used to expose a hypocrite. 2 Kings 5 is the story of Elisha, uh, Naaman, the leper, and after Naaman gets healed, Uh, and Naaman wants to give all the silver and gold and changes of raiment to Elisha. Elisha says, no, I won't take it. And uh, Gehazi, though, his servant is a bit, uh, he runs after him and tells a lie and says, oh, 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 because he feels this is stupid, man. We should have taken the money. I mean, after all, the guy got healed of his leprosy. We should have taken what he had. But I teach on that fact. I just shared it the other day at the Monday night Bible study. The reason... Elisha would take no monies because leprosy is the only disease in the Bible that is a type of sin. So when you're healed of sin, it's a type of salvation. And the man was healed of leprosy and you take no payment for salvation because salvation is free. But that's something else. But The point is, Gehazi runs out and meets this guy, Naaman, and says, oh, my master's changed his mind. He'd like some of the reward, please. And Gehazi takes it back, hides it in his tent, and then he walks into Elisha and says, just like everything's normal, hey, how you doing? What, you know. And Elisha looks at him and says, uh, Elisha said to him. Well, for, for, then he went in and stood before his master. Where have you been, Gehazi? Elisha asked. Your servant didn't go anywhere. I mean, I, I wonder what his face was like at that time. But Elisha said to him, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants and maid servants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and he was leprous as white as snow. Horrible, horrible thing. God was revealing what happened, what was happening several, several miles away. Point C, it's used to, the word of knowledge is used to warn a king of the enemy's plan. Uh, again, just read that for yourself. And I just put down here that all of this is available to us today through the Holy Spirit. However, you must, you must, you must begin to release your faith for these things. Amen. I was going to say, just, just as we close this session, then I was just going to say that I'm, um, when I was at Teen Challenge, my art my, chaplain was Eddie Duncan and Eddie's in heaven now, but Eddie was an incredible teacher that operated in the world of knowledge a lot. And at Teen Challenge, there were 60 guys there and, you know, they're ex-drug addicts and what have you. And somehow, someway, people would still sneak some stuff in sometimes. <laughs> when Eddie came to be the chaplain, I mean, it was really a trip because we'd have chapel every morning. We'd meet at 8.30 in the morning, you know, in this chapel. And there about 110 people because the staff would come in for chapel. And Eddie would get up and within about two weeks, we realized that this guy was different. He got up and he looked at one fellow and he said, uh, Bill, he said, uh, in your room, he said, where the bunks are, he said, you've taken the cap off of that bunk and he said, you've hit a syringe and some heroin. And he said, it's in the third one. He said, Mike, and he took him to the guy's supervisor. and said, why don't you get it from Bill's ramp? And this guy <laughs> looked at him, turned off. He walks out and walks back with a syringe. He looks at another guy and says, Pete, he said, uh, underneath that rock out there, by the, right by the door going into the garage outside where all people work in the cars, he said, You've hidden a little bag of marijuana. I said, The Lord showed me this morning. He said, God loves you too much to let you smoke that. He said, Let's go outside and get it. So Eddie walked out with him, walked out to it, walked to the rock, picked it up. <laughs> you know, Eddie started, you know, and every, I mean, what happened was that suddenly everybody in this place changed real quickly. You know why? Because they realized there was somebody here that operated in something that was beyond your normal church stuff and we weren't going to get away with anything. The word of knowledge can be something that can really, really bring a lot of life to any place because it's real. And when it's real, it's incredible. Father, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for being patient with us as we begin to walk this walk. In Jesus' name, amen. You have reached the end of this lesson, please insert the next lesson to continue.